Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 700. Losi turned and spoke hotly. There's a look a man has when he knows his way around a woman, Ben Creighton, not that you would know. When this one was here a couple span ago, I liked his face and thought I'd have a roll with him. But when I tried to trip him, she trailed off, seemingly at a loss for words. I remember that, a man at the bar called out. Funniest damn thing. I thought he was going to piss himself. He couldn't say a word to her. The fiddler shrugged. So he found some farmer's daughter since then. It don't mean... Hush, Ben, Penny said with quiet authority. There's more changed here than a bit of beard can account for. Her eyes searched my face. Lord, but you're right, girl. There is a fey look about him. The fiddler started to speak again, but Penny shot him a sharp look. Hush, or get out. I don't want any fights in here tonight. The fiddler looked around the room and saw the tide had turned against him. Red-faced and scowling, he gathered up his fiddle and stormed out. Losi stepped close to me again, brushing her hair back. Was she really as beautiful as they say? Her chin went up proudly. More beautiful than me? I hesitated, then spoke softly. She was Fulurian, most beautiful of all. I reached out to brush the side of her neck where her red hair began its curling tumble downward, then leaned forward and whispered seven words into her ear. For all that, she lacked your fire. And she loved me for those seven words, and her pride was safe. Penny spoke up. How did you manage to get away? I looked around the room and felt everyone's attention settle onto me. The wild fey laughter tumbled around inside me. I smiled a lazy smile. My shade billowed. Then I moved to the front of the room, sat on the hearth, and told them the story. Or rather, I told them a story. If I told them the entire truth, they wouldn't have believed it. Fleurian let me go because I was holding a song hostage. It simply didn't fit the classic lines. So what I told them was closer to the story they expected to hear. In that story, I chased Fleurian into the Fae. Our bodies tangled together in her twilight glade. Then as we rested, I played her music light enough to make her laugh, music dark enough to make her gasp, music sweet enough to make her weep. But when I tried to leave the Fae, she would not let me. She was too fond of my artistry. I shouldn't be coy, I suppose. I implied rather strongly that Fleurian thought... But what Fleurian thought, we'll never know, because that's the end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. Jordana, is something you're chuckling at? Something you find funny on this page? <laughs> it's hilarious! What, what's so funny? <laughs> dot, 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 artistry! <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's it's very funny. <laughs> I don't know if I appreciated how funny that was the first time <laughs> that I read this. Sometimes a joke takes a minute. Yeah, well, especially with me. <laughs> I really love the exchange that Quoth has with Losi because A, it's smooth, but it's smooth in like a really, a way that's specific to the two of them because when they last spoke, when she came on to him before, she called attention to the fact that they both have red hair and she made a comment about um, how, like she made a comment about fire in relation to their red hair and he like didn't know what to do with it. So he, not only is he assuring her that, like, you know, Fleurian is the most beautiful of all, but she's not like you. She doesn't have what you have. But he's also specifically calling back to the last time she hit on him, which I think is really clever and really sexy. Yes. Now, not to uh, 
not to be a boner killer, but I have heard it theorized that in speaking these seven words, uh, he is in fact ensorceling her to literally fall in love with him. And that what he does uh, in betting her and then discarding her and never thinking of her again is a, uh, shall we say, a great disservice and extremely disrespectful. And yeah, I'm not saying I buy it. It would be rape if it was true. Her. Whoa, whoa, okay. No, I'm not saying that it's the R word either. I'm just saying that uh, he like doesn't realize the power that he now holds uh, kind of over women uh, and doesn't really realize the effect that he has on them. And I'm not saying that it's literally magic. Maybe ensorcel was the wrong word, uh, but that he, the, I do think that it is, it is text going forward that Quoth uh, beds lots of women and doesn't think much of it. It's now kind of a casual thing for him. And he also doesn't really think much of them beyond like, oh yeah, we're, we're having casual sex and they're my partners and that's it. Uh, which draws comparisons to Deno that I don't think is is totally fair. Uh, but I do think, and I've said this uh, previously, that Quoth leaves Faye kind of changed and not necessarily for the better. Um, I think that is part of the part of the geese placed on him by Florian as part of this new Faye affect that he carries. He is like perhaps more physically attractive and more uh, physically confident, but he he's lost something in like his own ability to love and be loved. I think that's a drastic misreading of this passage because the line is, and she loved me for, for those seven words, not that she fell in love with him. she's like, she loved hearing those seven words because those seven words were like the perfect thing to say. That isn't a lie. He's not lying to her, but he's telling her the like a truth that will make her feel better about the fact that she's not Valerian. That's all that it I means. Think, I think that theory comes about because there's this idea of the seven words that make women love you that has been bandied about before. And that in saying the seven words, he is like accidentally working some magic. Again, not sure I buy it. I think yeah. that this is probably your read. Your read is probably the most uh, cogent, Jeremy. Yeah, but like I think... you're remiss if I didn't put it forward. Sure. I think that that reading is a drastic over-literalization of what that idea is supposed to be. I don't think that when I don't think that there are literally like a combination of seven words you can say to any one person that will ensorcel them into loving you. I think that it's like, that's stupid. (laughs) And anyone who thinks that is reading this book badly. I think that um, to, to say that like something might've happened to him in the Fae that would affect his ability to love and be loved would be to ignore the fact that he's already got that problem long before he hits the fay. That is an excellent point. Like this is <laughs> like maybe the fay added to it, maybe it didn't, but the point is that problem existed and would have probably grown regardless of his visit to the fay. Yeah, it just Quoth, might have grown differently. You're absolutely right. Quoth had intimacy issues long before he met Florian. <laughs> yeah. And like maybe it didn't help. But it certainly didn't start there. You know what? I would argue that it did help. <laughs> That's my argument. I mean, I think that there are probably as many good things that came out of him going into the Fae as, as there were bad things. Like I I think like any journey, it's got ups and downs. 
Frankly, I don't think there's any evidence in the text to suggest that the women that Quoth has casual sex with are left off any worse than when he found them or that they feel particularly bad about it or mistreated. Uh, Also, let's take a minute to examine the other side of this. Losi, her her first initial thing that like she she wanted to what did she, how did she put it she wanted she wanted to, to have a role with him, him. she saw yeah, him she like wanted a to have month a ago and was him. like oh this guy's hot and then because of how he reacted she was like oh he's actually not ready he can't he couldn't handle me he's not ready for that but That's fine that like that suggests that this is the sort of thing that she might do to another attractive young man almost like, like she has agency. And experience. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, to me, it's this is not Quoth taking advantage of her by, by saying seven words. It's two people who think each other are hot and are, like, down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if anything, he's getting a chance, like, the, the fantasy here is kind of that he's getting a chance that you very rarely get, which is he gets to make a second first impression on someone, right? Like, especially if you are like picking someone up at a bar, something that I am bad at. But generally speaking, you have like one opportunity to make a good first impression. And if you don't make it, that's your opportunity missed. But he's come back with a personality makeover and he gets the chance to do it over again. And it's kind of a bonus for Losi too, because she saw him and was like, hot guy, I'd like to bang. And then was like, oh shit, personality wise, maybe he's not ready for this. She was ready, but he wasn't. So she was like, okay, well, this is not... I guess going to happen. And like, that might be sort of a downer, but if the hot guy comes back and is then ready bonus. Exactly. And I suppose there's no more enthusiastic consent than what we get from Losi, huh? No, there truly is not. Yeah. She seems, she seems pretty down. I also think, I mean, actually, I guess that's really for the next page. So I will leave it, but I will say this, that Quoth, whether or not Quoth is right, I kind of think he is right, but he's he doesn't tell them what actually happened to him because even because he doesn't think they believe it. Now, I guess there's an argument to be made that now that they've bought the idea that he really did go to Faye and come back, he they might believe anything he told them that happened. But I think that he's operating on his experience as a storyteller and uh a songwriter that you have to, if people are expecting a certain thing from your story, you have to stick within the conventions of the genre, right? Uh, Which is also kind of a meta commentary because of course that's what Rothfuss is doing, right? He is telling us a fantasy story and playing with the conventions of it. And I think Foth is doing a similar thing in miniature here. He's telling them a Fulurian story and everyone in this world has certain expectations of what's in a Fulurian story. So he feels that he can only go so far in telling them what actually happened without breaking their immersion from what they expect from a Fulurian story. Do you know what I mean? I think so. Like yeah, if no, I was telling, that makes sense. He's, he's giving the crowd what they wanted. And like, uh, and I if, suppose you need to, you need to have a bit of a display of your, uh, I'm going to say sexual prowess. I don't mean it that way, but like your confidence, I suppose. After hearing a uh, a Fulurian story, this guess, is perhaps this is proof positive more than anything else. The fact that he then goes off to bed with uh, with the lady who's famously and then, she, uh, and then she's gonna say like I've never had a guy do that to me before. 
But I, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is like in this book, if a flying saucer showed up, it would completely take us out of the narrative, right? Like there, and it would be really hard for Rothfuss to get our buy-in again, right? If, if it was revealed that the Chandrian are actually space aliens and they've come from the Alpha Centauri Nebula to harvest people's brains. And that was the big reveal. Like that would be a twist that isn't just implausible, but it doesn't belong in the fantasy genre. Like it's not appropriate for this kind of story. And I think that similarly, Quoth feels that if he told them, oh, yes, I convinced Valyrian to let me go by promising to like write a song for her. He thinks that they won't buy that because it's not something that belongs in a Valyrian story. Now, I think you could take issue with whether or not he's right about that assumption, but I think that is like a character building assumption for him to make. Wait, like it builds his character? Yeah, like it establishes something about his character that like he is part of the reason that he's choosing not to tell them the complete truth of what happened is because he doesn't think they'll believe him if the story isn't enough like what they expect a Flurian story to be. I see. Okay. Yeah, which I I think that's why uh Quoth is a better storyteller than than my boy uh Ben Creighton. Yeah. Uh cuz I think Quoth understands that you you have to leave some things out. You have to give people what they want. Mm. Do, is there anything else we want to talk about on this page? Uh I just just that he so he's telling a story to us the reader now that he didn't think people would believe before which i think is kind of interesting well but we're like chronicler bast and us the reader are are a different audience right because for one thing we have been following quoth's life up until this point and the whole point of him telling the story to chronicler to hear him say it like is like i can finally tell the story of my life in my own words, in my own way, and tell the truth that people haven't heard before. Yes, reasonable. Very good. That is all. That is all. Very good. Well, then let's wrap it up and return tomorrow for yet another page of the Wind. Wind.